This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Love, got to see the small Aleph. The very famous small Aleph. By Yikrael Moshe. Hashem called Moshe, right? Usually it says by Yidaber, by Yidaber Shem Moshe. By Yidaber Shem Elov, my Elov, my Elov, So if it says by Yidaber Shem Elov, Hashem spoke to him, why does it say by Yikrael Moshe? So by Yikrael is a lotion. Of a friend calling, hey, hi, hey, Moshe, hey, you know, Moshe, Moshe, whatever. But it, it's a lotion of a friend, and Kashbokh wanted to show his love for Moshe Rabbeinu, so he called him in this lotion of Vayikra to show his chavivus. Moshe Rabbeinu was a big on of. Moshe Rabbeinu said, me and you, you call me Vayikra, like with friend. Ah, you can't, Hashem, no, you can't use that word. It's, 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 it's not, it's not covered for you. So, like all good things when you go to Bezin they make a pshara so what they did is Hashem said I'm calling you Vayikra I'm calling you as a friend but the Aleph in Vayikra is going to be small no it's not a regular Vayikra it's small so it's Vayakar with a little Aleph Vayakar is the Lushan that Hashem used when he called Bilam so it's not such a special Lushan so Hashem put a little Aleph there so what do you care if I jump for a little olive there, right? It's very nice. It answers a very big question. I'll tell you what it answers. A few weeks ago, and the Pasha Kishiso, it says, the Hebrew read as Moshe Mahar Sinai, Ushnei Lucha Se'edis Biyad Moshe, Bridei Menachar Moshe Loyoda, Moshe did not know he karan upon a bedavrito. Moshe Rabbeinu did not know that he had a light coming from his face. And they looked at him in a karan upon a they love. They were scared. They couldn't. They couldn't approach him because his face was so lit up that they couldn't look at him. The mamish couldn't look at him. So he put a mask. He wore a masve. Moshe He put a a mask on. When he went to talk to Akash of course he didn't need a mask, but when he went to talk to Kleisrael, he needed a mask. So, we, what happened over here? So it says, Rashi says, Rashi says that this light came from when Hashem passed Moshe Rabbeinu and he was, he was in the indention of the rock. Hashem, nothing, Akash Baruch Yoda Al Panov. Hashem covered his face. So when Hashem took his hand off, from Hashem came this light. What's also brought down, that the ink that was left over from the Torah, so when he finished writing the Torah, there's a little ink left, he rubbed it on his forehead like this, and this light came from that, from that ink. So everybody asked Akasha, what do you mean there was extra ink? God is perfect. He knew exactly how much ink was needed for the Torah. He wouldn't make extra ink. So what is this story that he had extra ink and he rubbed it on his forehead? So Teretz is very beautiful. He didn't have extra ink. Hashem had the exact amount of ink that he was supposed to have. But what happened was, because Moshe talked to Hashem into making the olive small, because he wasn't want to be a big shot, so now there was extra ink, because it was supposed to be a regular olive. Now it became a little olive, so there was a drop of extra ink. That was the extra ink. So really it was perfect. Okay, so kids in my class said, well, didn't Hashem know that he didn't want an extra olive? So if he didn't want an olive, so then Hashem should have only had a little bit of ink. And I, I go back to what I talk about all the time, about Bechira. This is a question that we deal with all the time with kids. If Hashem knows what I'm going to do, so then I don't really have a choice. Because if he knows that I'm going to do that Avera, that I did that Avera, because he knows I did that Avera, so he didn't have a choice not to do that Avera. We have this discussion all the time. And the answer is he only knows that you're going to do the Avera because you did the Avera. So in a world of did, done, doing, and will do is all the same. So Hashem only, Hashem only knew, hold on, I think Rabbi Gamliel is trying to call me one second. Hello? A Rebbe. Hello? 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 No, okay. Anyway, it's not really going to be so I'm going to turn it off because he tried to reach me tonight. I'm going to just know what it was all about. I'm going to turn the phone off. What? No, it wasn't the elections. Remember, Gimliel is not interested in the elections. Um, I don't know, not for the elections. No, I don't know. He needed me for something. I don't know. Whatever. What? 
He tried to reach me before, and I, so I thought that was number stop. Anyway, so um, so the only reason that there was extra ink, really, Hashem prepared the, the amount of regular ink because really it was supposed to be a full aleph. But the only reason there it became a small aleph is because that's what Moshe chose that he wanted to be done. So Hashem prepared what was supposed to be is up to Moshe's bechira what he wanted to do. So therefore, um, so therefore that's why. So we learn from here. That his anivus, because he was a modest, he was an honor of what came from that, all this light that came out of him. So you, because he was an honor of that, person thinks that you, 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 it wasn't saying in the mission in Perkyelos, you chase after Kavod, Kavod runs away from you, you want on the man, right? It runs away from you. Person who runs away from Kavod, it chases after you. So that the little Aleph gave Moshe that extra light. And the real light, the internal light, comes to an honor of a person who's modest, not a big shot. And Malgaiva and Shemayim is, is considered like, um, like Avaydazar. Okay. So, tonight's shir is really, I want to talk to your boys because you didn't hear this yet. And I've been talking about it all week. Last week's shir for the girls. I wasn't here last week and I spoke about it in Queens. Any of you guys were in Queens this week when I spoke? No? Wow, it was unbelievable. Queens College full, sold out. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. So, I want to talk about that, and then I want, to, I want to tell you a fantastic story that I read this week. So, what I spoke about was like this. First of all, so I was, I was talking to the girls this week, and I was telling them that my, 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 my Seder usually ends at 4 o'clock in the morning. So they were like, 4 o'clock in the morning? What do you do till 4 o'clock in the morning? I mean, Haggadah's not that big. What could you be doing till 4 o'clock in the morning? I said... It happens to be that usually at the end of the state I'm pretty much not too many people awake anymore. And I sit there, so that, so, so we sing Adon Alam, we sing in Kelokeno, and then, and then it's a minute to say Shir Shim. I don't know, did anyone here say Shir Shim at the end of the, uh, end of the Seder? When I was a kid we didn't say that, but it's a new thing, but I, I, it's in, it's in the new, it's in the Haggadahs. So we say Shir, Shir Shim to the, to Akash Baruch Hu. But at the end of the Seder I like to think, I mean that's how you grow, I, li- I like to think about my slavery. In other words, Yitzhak Mitzrayim is not something that happened to us so many thousands of years ago, but really, each one of us, you know what Mitzrayim is? Mitzrayim means Meitzar. Meitzar means narrow mind, narrow, in your neck, it's called an eyelid, right? Because your head and then your body, the most, the narrowest part of your body going up and down is your neck, right? So Meitzar is where everything gets, gets compressed, slavery, compressed, you know, Sort of squashed in, whatever it is. And you'd see us Mitzrayim as the ability to come out of that Mitzah. So, really, all of us are in slavery. We're enslaved to either our phones, to materialism, to gaiva, to money. And Pesach's a time where it's a school of, it's a time of getting out of your slavery. So you need to think about what is slavery? I'm going to tell you a shtickle story. I'm not going to say it the way I said it in the class because it's not really for public notice. I'm going to tell you a shtickle story with me and and how I've I'm, I'm been working on the last week to try to figure out. So what do I mean by a personal slavery? So so when you're not able to say no, in other words, slavery, contrary to popular belief, people believe that freedom is, freedom, what is freedom? I can do anything I want. I can get anything I want. But the truth is, that's not freedom, because a slave has to say yes. Clean my shoes, yes. Take out the laundry, do the laundry, yes. Take out the garbage, yes. Do my windows, yes. Right? Make supper, yes. Right? So, so a slave can never say no. If you say no, you can get his head chopped off. Freedom is the ability to say no, because a slave can't say no. But you could say no. So, to say yes to the satan, yes, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy that, I'm going to get this, I'm going to do that. Everyone thinks like, I'm free, man. Yeah, rabbi, I'm not religious no more, man. Not like you, man, I am free. I can do whatever I want. And I'm like, you're a slave. I'm free. I can say no. You can't say no to drugs. You can't say no to girls. You can't say no to drinking. You can't say no to all movies. You can you don't even have the power to say no. No, you got it wrong. The rabbi is a free man because the rabbi has the power to say no. You are a slave. 
And I've had this on the street more than once. They're like, oh man, this Judaism, man, it's slavery. You gotta be like God's slave. I'm like, no. Judaism is just the opposite. The ability to say no is the greatest freedom. You put a drink in front of an alcoholic, he's a slave to that drink because he can't say no to the drink. The guy who doesn't drink, the guy who says, I'm not doing that, he's not the Nebuch, he's not the greasy guy, he's not, he's free. It's a very misconception of what real freedom is. So you gotta think about on Pesach, or when you're cleaning for Pesach, when you're working for Pesach, you gotta think about all the things that you, this past year, have not been able to say no to over and over that chocolate bar. Oh man, I could never say no to it. You're a slave to the chocolate bar. Yeah. If you can't say no, sometimes you have to say no just to see if you're free. And I had this with the cell phones, always like, man, you Rabbi Watson, you talk too much about the internet and the cell phone. And it's not, an, I'm not addicted. I'm like, okay, give me the phone for a week. Are you crazy? I'm like, you're addicted. You can't say no. You can't give me your phone for a week. I don't need your phone for a week. But if you can't give me your phone for a week, then you're addicted. So prove to yourself that you're not addicted. Oh, no, you know. So what does every addict say? Every addict tells me the same thing. I am not an addict. If I want to stop, I can stop right now. I'm like, so stop. Not ready yet. So he, he's still an addict. He's still an addict. So when it comes to mitzvahs, when it comes to averos, it has a lot to do with your ability to say yes or no. Now, the, the, the thing that I spoke to the girls about is, it's not the avera that you need to work on. I mean, that's an avera, you made a mistake, and you can do tshuva. But you have to figure out why you did what you did. In other words, the actual sin that you did, whatever you did wrong, so that's the avera, and you have to tell us, I'm sorry. But why did you do that? If you don't fix why you did it, you'll do it again. So that takes a lot of that takes a lot of introspection. You have to go inside yourself and you have to try to figure out how come I watched that movie? Now, let's say you went and you watched a dirty movie, something you shouldn't have watched. So the next morning you feel really bad and you're like, oh, I cannot believe I thought I thought I was over with this stuff. I cannot believe what I watched last night. Hashem, I am so, no Shemir Sainayim. I know I shouldn't have done that. I am so sorry. I'm going to try not to do it again. Very nice that you're doing tshuva. But the bottom line is, why did I watch that dirty movie? I put on tefillin. I daven. I've grown. I was in yeshiva. Why couldn't I say no when... I got home and I flipped up my, you know, thing and I went online. Why couldn't I stop at any one of those points? Until you figure out why, you're going to do it again. And I think that's the work that most people don't do. They do something wrong. They're sorry. They don't want to do it again. But they don't try to figure out why. I'll tell you a story that happened to me. So I'm in business a lot and sometimes in business... Ladies put out their hand. They don't know. They're not Jewish. They don't know. So the hand's out there. And they're like, oh, hello, Mr. Wallerstein. And their hand's out there. And this just happened to me when I was in Phoenix in the hotel. Right? So we had this meeting. Very funny meeting. I'll tell you what happened. So, so, so we're sitting at this meeting. And it's online already from last week. I got some comments on this. We're sitting at this meeting. And these are non-Jewish people. So they, they in Phoenix, Arizona... They never, the hotel never had a Passover. So we have to teach them matzo ball, parv, milchik, fleshik. They don't know nothing. What's a matzah? You can't be eating your sandwiches in the hotel. And we're, we're trying to explain to them so that we have the waitering staff there and the food staff there and we're trying to explain to them. So they come in and, um, we call it the holy days, the unholy days. The holy days are Shabbos and the, and Yantif and the unholy days are Cholomai so they can get an understanding. The funniest line, you gotta hear this. So you got like a, you got like 80 people sitting in there, right? So rabbi, the rabbi who's with me, who's my partner in this, is trying to explain to them everything. So he says, okay. So now he's talking to the, 
to the, the chambermaids, the ones who take care of the rooms. He says, first of all, two towels are not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Era of the holy day, you got to have four to six towels in everyone's room. Okay, they don't chop why, whatever it is, right, fine. He says, and you have to know that on the holy days, we, the Jewish people, we don't use toilet paper. That's what he says. Now, these people understand it, <laughs> right, that we don't use toilet paper. And they're all looking at us very weird, like, how could you go for two days without, you know, cleaning yourself after you go to the bathroom? And I realize they're all looking at us weird, and I'm like, no, no, no. We use tissues. Because they thought, so, so he, took, he took a piece of paper and he said, no, 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 I didn't mean that. No, I don't mean that. They didn't understand, you know. He's like, no, we don't use toilet paper, but we use tissues. So you have to bring tissues to the rooms because we don't, you know, so, so they didn't stop. They don't understand. How can they understand that you don't rip a toilet paper, but you use a tissue? They don't have to show them when you rip. For us, ripping is whatever. But it's just funny. Their face was like. All right. So then we start talking about the food. So it's like, okay. So the first night, you know, it's um, you serve, but some tables are going to be served at two o'clock and one o'clock. These waiters are like, what? All right. So then the next day, we 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 have the coffee room up in the morning and then breakfast. And then they finish prayers, and then they have what's called the kiddush, and that's like um, meat and this and potato, and which explain them. And then when they finish the kiddush, they go into lunch, and they have lunch. And then when they finish lunch, two hours later there's a barbecue, and then after the barbecue, there's the the, the tea room is open all night. There's food all the time, and then they have dinner. And, that, and they feel like what is with these Jews? Like, all we're talking about is food, food, food. They don't eat, they, don't, they drink, but they don't eat like this, whatever. So I'm looking around the room, and I'm like, oh my God, we're making Choloshem. We keep talking about, there's a meal, then there's a meal after the meal, there's a meal on top of the meal, there's a meal after the meal, there's a barbecue by the pool, and then there's another meal, and then there's another meal, and the tea room has food, and there's food on the eighth floor, and there's food on the seventh floor, and then you have food in the main floor, and, and these people are looking at us like, and I realize, oh my gosh, they think we're a bunch of chayas, right? So I sit there very calmly, and I'm like, I'd like to explain. You see, we have like the Muslims, Ramadan. So 40 days before Passover, we don't eat. So when the people come into the hotel, they have not eaten for 40 days. And after Passover, we fast for another week. So the first four days, they're trying to catch up for the 40 days they didn't eat. And the next four days, they're trying to eat for the next week. That Oh, they're all like, oh... Oh, oh my gosh, you fast, oh, now we understand. But I knew that I couldn't keep that, because it's not true. Um, so like 10 minutes later, I'm like, by the way, when I talked about Ramadan, we don't do Ramadan. We just like to eat. I said, you have to understand, we were in Egypt for 210 years, we didn't eat anything. Then we went into the, into the desert, and we're going around and around and around and around, and we didn't eat anything, and we are hungry, right? But they don't chat, they don't, you know, the Pesach, whatever. Baruch Hashem. So, yeah, I, I felt that if I let them think that we fasted, and then they're going to ask somebody and find out that. So I told them that, that you know, that it wasn't true. Anyway, to make a long story short, so, so, so when we finished the meeting, so, the, like, the assistant manager or whatever it was, so she put out her hand. And she said, oh, thank you very much, Rabbi. Have a good day. And her hand's sticking out there, and I'm like, so the halacha is, you're not allowed to put your hand out, right? But you can't let the hand just stand. You, you can't embarrass them, because they're going to think, Oh, what, we're germs, we're poison, we're, we're amoeba, like, what's wrong with us? So you have to be very careful. So, so I learned a long time ago that when I go to my business meetings, I carry a briefcase and I carry a folder. So nobody can put their hands on it. I'm not going to drop it, right? So that doesn't happen because I'm carrying two things. So they just nod. But here, I wasn't ready for this. She put her hand up, so I shook her hand. Okay? I shook her hand. Then, she went over to someone else another one of us and she put out her hand and he said I'm really sorry but it's you know the customs it's our custom that men don't really shake you know so first of all it made me look stupid right and second of all so when I left the meeting I said to myself Wallerstein why did you put your hand there like why didn't you do what the other person did so now you can look at me and say oh come on Rebbe right I'm like, no. Not that I shook her hand. Halakhically, it might have been okay. It was a situation where her hand was out there. I didn't want to embarrass her. But why didn't you say what the other person said? So, I talked to my girls about this in seminary, and I'm like, for the last week, I am beating myself up. And I'm trying to figure out, 
Was it really that you didn't want to embarrass her? Or maybe you really wanted to shake her hand? I don't know. You need to find out. Because until you go into yourself and figure out why you shook her hand, you're going to do it again. And I, and, and so the girl's like, no, Rebbe, you're trying to make it up. You had no choice. I'm like, don't give me, don't give me excuses. I need to go within myself. Maybe I'm desensitized. Maybe I'm in business too much. But I'm the Rebbe. I'm the guy that talks to people about Shemir Sinayim and Shemir and all that. How come the Rebbe of all that put his hand out that easy? Why didn't I try to get out of it? And, and that's something I need to work on myself. That's how you grow. I could have just said, okay, maybe I was wrong. I'm sorry, Hashem. I didn't mean it. Wasn't, I didn't do it for any crazy reason, whatever it is. Then you don't grow because, because if I don't figure out what really happened there, then it may happen again and maybe something else will happen and maybe someone will want in business to hug me and I'm going to feel the same way like, well, you know, with a, I don't want to embarrass her, but that's totally wrong. And all of a sudden you start making excuses for yourself. So when you do something wrong, you, you need to go right into it and figure out what's behind this. In other words, what's the source of what I did? Where did it really come from? That's how a person grows. If you don't do that, then, and you just, even if you do chuva and you're like, I'm sorry, but you don't know where it came from, it's going to happen again. So when you watch a movie, or you do, I'm just giving a movie as an example, or you eat something you shouldn't do, or whatever it is, or you look at something that you shouldn't do, you need to do chuva on that, but you need to figure out why a guy like me watched something like that. And that's part of getting out of your mitzrayim. That's part of getting out of your slavery. That's part of becoming free. Understanding your slavery, understanding the, the, the chains that are holding you down, whether it's lush and horror, lack of kibbutz of aim, eating non-kosher, looking at women. It could be a million different things. It doesn't matter what it is. But if you don't search to find out what's the source of it, you'll never have cheris. Cheris comes from understanding where that action came from. And once you understand where that action came from, then you can try to fix that and it won't happen again. And I've been struggling for the last week trying to figure out where did that really come from? No excuses. Where did it really come from? Wallenstein, why did you put your hand out? Why did you say what the other person said? Did you want to shake her hand? Because she was maybe pretty? Did you, did, did, are you not sensitive enough? Rav Chaim Kainesti would have not put his hand out no matter what, right? Are you too much in that business world? Were you in Phoenix so you were out of your your, your comfort zone, you went with your boy, you, whatever, so that means next time you're out of your zone, will you do it again? I have, so, people, so the girls are like, come on, don't beat yourself up. I'm like, no, I need to understand that action. And once I understand that action, then I can deal with it. But if I don't understand that action, then, then just saying, oh, I made a mistake, that's not enough. You have to understand why you do things if you want to fix what you're doing. If you don't understand where it's coming from, and that takes introspection, and that takes time. That takes thinking time, not on your phone and not on, on your internet and all your craziness, but it takes time of sitting on your bed and thinking about, why did I do that? What happened last night? Why couldn't I say no? Why am I still a slave? Why am I still a servant? Why am I still watching movies every single night? Why am I looking when I'm walking in the street at girls that are walking down Avenue J? Why am I doing that? I know it's wrong. Okay, I'm sorry. But no, that's not enough because you're going to do it tomorrow again. What's wrong with me? And once you figure that out, then you can work on it and you can fix it. If you do that, then Yishmir Sinayim is going to, is going to change and everything is going to change. You see us when you sit by the Seder, it's not just walking out of Egypt, it's walking out of your Egypt. And, and as Charlie Harari spoke also with me together Sunday night, and, and, um, he said, he said very, very well, you know, he, he, he talked about that, 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 that only 20% of Klyasrol left Mitzrayim. Four-fifths didn't leave Mitzrayim. Do you know why they didn't leave Mitzrayim? They weren't willing to leave their comfort zone. You know, even though Hashem was saying, I'm taking you to Eretz Yisrael, right, which is great, but what was outside Mitzrayim? Eretz Yisrael, he said, he said very good, he spoke very well. He said, if Eretz Yisrael was right outside of Mitzrayim, 100% of the Jews would have left. Not 20%. But, 
Hashem said, no, no, Lech Acharai Bamidbar. Before we get to Eretz Yisrael, we got to go into a very hard place, into the Midbar. That wasn't their comfort zone. They were like, uh, 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 uh. Desert? Mitzrayim, master, pickles, watermelon, water, place to sleep. Desert? No. I'm not willing. I'm willing to go to Israel, but not willing to go through the Midbar. And four-fifths died. Only one-fifth got out. Only the Chamushim Alu. Those four-fifths didn't work on themselves to leave their comfort zone. And that's what you need to think about. You need to think about when you're sitting there, you know, I'm very comfortable where I am. There are guys who are comfortable being single, being in the single scene, going out with a hundred different girls, right? There are guys that are very comfortable in their spirituality, where they are. That's obvious. You can never be comfortable where you are. You have to continue to grow. We know when it comes to spirituality, if you don't continue to grow, you fall back. So a person who's comfortable where he's at is in Mitzrayim. He's with the four-fifth that died in Choshech. The other, we're not, they, they said, we are willing to leave our comfortable where we are, to go into the Midbar, because we understand that at the end game, the end game, even going through the Midbar, the end game is I'm going to reach Yerushalayim. So yes, sometimes you have to be out of your comfort, you have to get up early in the morning, and you have to go to Minyan, and it's not so comfortable, right? But the end game is it's going to get you to Ganeid, and the end game is going to get you to a spiritual level where you need to be. So even though a lot of things in between is the Midbar, and, and I deal with this in in, 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 in in drug addiction and in alcohol addiction, it's very hard. What's, what's the first thing, and I, I talk about this when it comes to spirituality also, what's the first thing that a drug addict has to do? Anyone here know? The first thing you need to do. Um, what? Is no, what's the first thing he, he needs to do? Yeah. What? He no. He has, to be, he has to go to detox. Before you go to rehab, you got to go to detox. What's detox? Detox is cleaning your system from the drug. To put you in rehab on drugs, nobody in the world is going to do that. So you got to go to detox. Detox? You should never see someone in detox. It's the most uncomfortable, out of your comfort zone. They're strapped down. They're shaking. They're sweating. They're throwing up. They're getting fever. There's chills. It is. It is really someone who's detoxing from heroin or coke or something like that. It is really physically extremely, extremely harsh. So the guy who wants to get better, who wants to get rid of his addiction, has to go through the midbar. He can't go straight to Eretz Yisrael. He has to go through detox. He has to go through the Midbar. Klai Yisrael, we have to go through the Midbar. Had we gone, all, all the Sforim said this, had we gone from Mitzrayim into Eretz Yisrael, we would have been a bunch of slaves in Israel. We had to get rid of that slavery mentality, my master, my watermelon, my pickles, my fish. To get rid of that. So we went into the Midbar where there was no watermelon, no fish. And in the beginning, we didn't detox. We were like, we have the mud, but who cares? I want to taste meat. I want meat. I want meat. I want slough. And slowly but surely, it took 40 years for us to become a nation that detoxed. Slavery was out of our system. That's when we went into Eretz Yisrael. So so that you have to come out of your comfort zone. That's what Charlie was saying. You have to come out of your comfort zone. Four-fifths of Yisrael said, I'm not going out of my comfort zone. I, to get to this point, no, I want to be able to walk out of a triumph into Israel. And Hashem saw it. Because what does it say in the Pasuk? It says, in Pasuk B'Shalach, it's Mamash Detox. In Pasuk B'Shalach, what does it say? Hashem saw, this is not going to work. To take them out of Mitzrayim, right? Original idea was to take them out of Mitzrayim and bring them straight here to Israel. But he B'Shalach, it was too close. They were still slaves. Right? They're slaves. If they, they can't go to war. They're not free. They're not soldiers. They're going to see the Mitzvah. They're going to freak out because they still have that slavery mentality. They saw a Mitzvah with a master and a dog and they were scared of, 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 of being killed and all that. So Hashem understood they didn't detox yet. They came out of a tribe, but they didn't detox. So he didn't take them to Eretz, Eretz Plishtim straight to Eretz Yisrael. He said, no, they, they gotta, they, we gotta, we gotta detox them first. So the first thing that a person has to understand is that when you make changes, when you give up your movies, you give up your television, and you give up your Facebook, and you give up your dirty pictures that you're looking at, you give up all this stuff up, 
you have to understand that it will take you out of your comfort zone. You're very comfortable eating this that wasn't kosher, you're very comfortable talking to girls, you're very comfortable. I'm just giving examples, not chashem for the guys that are over here. You have to step out of your comfort zone. Leaving the triumph was, yes, I'm going into a midbar. You have to step out of your comfort zone. And you have to understand what is my slavery? Where is it coming from? Why could I say, why couldn't I say no? And that is what was sitting by the Seder. And we need to figure out, you know, it says, Hashta Avdei, Lashana Abba What do you mean? I'm not a slave. You're anyone here a slave? Right? If you're not married, you're surely not a slave. Right? That's for sure. So you're a single guy. Right? You're a free guy. Right? So, you're not a slave. So what do you mean? Now I'm an Eved. And next year I'm going to be Bnei Chayim. I'm Bnei Chayim now. And the answer is no. Until Mashiach comes, we all do Averis. Avera comes from not being able to say no. So that's Avdus. That's slavery. Not being able to say no, that's slavery. And that's something that is very important for us to work on, on Pesach, to think about, to sit by the Seder. Because you have this paradox by the Seder. You, you're saying the Manashtana and you're saying, Tanah eat Mara. Tonight I eat matzah, I'm a poor man, and it's bitter. And then you, the second part, you're like, but I'm leaning with like a rich man, and I'm dipping like a rich man. So there's a paradox, there's a surmera, there's, there's understanding where I came from, and this is what I'm trying to explain in the story that I told you that happened in Phoenix. Understanding where I came from, and at the, at the same time, once I understand where I came from, and I can work on that, then I can get to where I need to go. So the Seder is 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 based on the beginning of the Seder is Avodim Hayinu Farumatrayam. I know where I come from. My parents were Avodim. Right? We can't we we, we this Halach Ma'anya. This is the poor man's bread. This is the beginning of the Haggadah of where I come from. At the end of the Haggadah, what's the last part of the Haggadah? It's Chagadah. What's the last part of Chagadah? And the Kashbachu will come and he will kill the Malach Amavas, right? Chagadah, Chagadah, that's when Mashiach will come. Because you can't get to Chagadah if you don't come from, from Avadam Hayinu. It starts with Avadam Hayinu. If you want to Lashana Habab Yerushalayim, Chasal Siddur Pesach. What's the Chasal Siddur Pesach? We start with Avadam Hayinu. We end with Mashiach. You can't get here unless you know where it's coming from, where you came from. You need to you need to work on where you came from, and then you can get to where you're going. And that's the arbit. That's the work. That's the work that a person has to do on Pesach. That's the getting rid of the chametz. That's to be mavayar the chametz. But you have to understand where a person comes from. And we all that's that's work, and you have to spend time, and you have to understand why can't I stop doing whatever it is, whether it's stealing or whatever it is, talking Lashon Hara, whatever it is that you can't stop doing, you are a slave. Because you can't say no. And if you can't say no, you are a slave. You need to find out why you can't say no. What part of me is not able to say no? And that's the part you need to work on. And that's that. That's the Haggadah. That's the Seder. That's the, that's the deep internal work that a person has to do on Pesach. And that's only, only something you can do yourself. And you have to be honest with yourself and you have to spend time with yourself. It's been, why did I do that? Why can't I say no? And in the end, if you don't know, then you can ask someone. You can go to a Rebbe or whatever it is and work it out. But most people can work it out and understand. Ah, something that I like to do. Why do I like to do it? I know it's wrong. Why do I do things that I know is wrong? I'm such a good guy. I do so many good things. How come this one thing I can't stop? What's going on? Where is it coming from? Maybe I need to watch my eyes. Maybe because I don't watch my eyes, it leads me to other things. Maybe I need to watch what I listen to. Maybe that's what leads to other things. Maybe I'm jealous. Maybe I need to work on my jealousy. That's why I talk Lashon Hara. Maybe it's a temper, and that's why I don't treat my wife right. So I need to know, where that temper come from? Why are you angry at the world? Who's hurting you? Where did it come from? Is it your past? Is it, is, do you think that you're not, you're not being treated fairly? You have to work on yourself. That, that's what, that's, Let's say you open up that narrow, that narrowness that's called the Meitzah, that's called Mitzrayim. And, and that's, that's the big chunky work a person needs to do to get free. Freedom is saying no. Okay, there's a fantastic story that I read this week in a little book that someone sent me. The story says the following. Scary story. She says, the Kelma Magid, very famous Magid, the Kelma Magid got up on the bima, and he said, I want to tell you a story that 
There was a very holy city called Bialystok. I don't know if you ever heard of it. And it says one Rosh Hashanah, Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave the dead that were in the graveyard of Bialystok a half an hour of Tchias Hamesim to come back to life. He said they got up. They had a half an hour in this world, and they all rushed to the shul. All the dead body, all the dead people rushed to the shul. It was exactly 12 o'clock Rosh Hashanah day. He said, all these dead dead people came into the shul. They all took out Sfarim. Some took out Gemara. Some took out Mishnah. Some took out Shulchan Aruch. Some took out Chumash. Some took Tehillim out. He said, and you never saw learning in your life like this. Because, of course, these dead bodies were in Shemayim. These Neshamas. And they knew what a minute or second of Tyra was. So the minute they got their life back, you know, they ran back. He says, there was a large clock on the wall of the shul. And the clock was ticking off the minutes. And you could see that all the dead people kept looking at the clock. How much more time they had? How much more time? Ten minutes. It's a quarter after twelve. It's twenty after twelve. He said, and some of them ran, some of the young people who died when they were young in the, in the graveyard, ran home to their parents, came out of the, 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 the graveyard, ran home to their parents and started doing the most unbelievable kibbut of aim. Because the Torah says, and they felt that maybe if they do kibbut of aim, they won't, they won't die again exactly half an hour. They'll get more time than the other people. So the man you you're going to live longer. So some of them ran into shul to learn and some of the dead bodies came back to life and ran home, the young ones, to do kibbut of aim to their parents and maybe Hashem will give them another half an hour. The noise level in the shul was beyond anything that you ever heard. He said the walls of the shul were shaking. And there was 25, it was 25 after 12, there was only 5 minutes left. And these people realized they only had 5 minutes left. And he said like this, the Magad turned to the congregation and said, and what is wrong with us? He talk, now he's talking to the Magad, talking to the people who are alive. He says, when Vasishlech as Mohammed Mer for Nahal Bashar, what is, what is so bad that we have more than a half an hour to study the Torah? And who really knows whether we'll have a half an hour or not? The person doesn't know when they're going to die. And, um, and he said, and, 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 and we have, we're alive and we have parents, so why do we have to wait till we're dead to try to keep Kibbutz Aim that we should be able to live longer? We're alive, we have a chance to do Kibbutz Aim. Why, why, why aren't we running to do it? Now, of course, this story is a, Marshall. It's not a true story. The dead did not come back to life. Um, but he was saying this story, and he was saying that every person has to imagine every moment of the day that he had a chance to come back to this world, right, from the other world, and to hop every second, because if that's what really, if he only had a half an hour, what would he do? You think he would go to the movies? You think he would go to a Nick game? You think he would go shopping in Manhattan? You think he would fly to Florida, right? If you had a half an hour left, every single dead body would come into shore, would learn, would dive, and would do keep it of the aim, would would scream, would, would 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 would. So he says, so why do you have to wait till you're dead when you can't do that anymore? This has to hop every every second. So he was. Uh, this was his muscle. I read it. I was like, it's so so. It's so true. It's so true. Keep it of aim gives you longer life. Why don't we do it? Why don't we, why don't we spend time with our parents? Why don't we treat them correctly? You have to wait till you're dead and you can't do it, then you can't do it anymore. The story's not true. You don't come back. But you do come back. Because every neshama in this world today is a Gilgal. Not a new neshama. So these are all neshamas that came back and are getting another chance. And you're wasting your time sitting around chilling. Chilling. You hear back and yet every second you can gather who knows how many mitzvahs and we're chilling. The Yitzhahara came up with all this internet stuff, all this stuff. You can spend 24 hours and 22 of them you did absolutely nothing. It's not normal. He said, that's how a person, that's how a person has to think every moment. That this is the last moment of my life. And I came out of my grave. And I'm back in the world. Oh my gosh. I gotta do crazy stuff. He said, that's how a person has to, that's how a person has to think about life. Okay. Um, I want to read you a medrash. Beautiful, beautiful medrash. But if you want to hear the story behind the medrash, then you got to listen to last week's share. So, because I'm, I'm not going to, I said the story over three times this week, and it's, it's all over the internet, so I'm not going to repeat it here. But I want to tell you where the story comes from. It comes from the medrash, and it says the following. Omar of Shimon. 
It is great the love that Hashem has for the Jews. That God revealed Himself the night of Pesach when He took us out in a place that was full of idols. When we claim Tineifes, Tineifes is filth and dirt, because Christ, well, we were on the 49th level of Tumah. And it's not like we were good guys. In fact, the Medrash says, another Medrash, that when the Malach, when Hashem told the Malach, I'm going down to take the Jewish nation as my kala, they said, the Jewish nation, if, if they're both filthy, right, the Jewish nation on the 49th level of Tumah, and the tribe on the 49th level of Tumah, why would you take the slave? Take the master. If you have to take someone, take the master. Don't take the slave. The Jews are the slave. So they're both on the 49th level of Tumah, right? They're both filthy and dirty. So take the one that's the master. Hashem said, this is the one I want. And that was, that's what, that was Bishi Pozon. But listen to, listen to this measure. So, it says, it's a marshal to a claim that the truma, his truma fell, his truma fell into a graveyard. Now a can't go into a graveyard. Now the truma, the, 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 the truma was in a, an earthen, an earthen keli that doesn't become tame as long as it's closed. So the crane has a problem. He doesn't want his tum- his, his truma to become tame. He doesn't want someone to walk in there, open the jar, and all of a sudden it's all tame. At the same time, he can't go in there because he's a crane and it's a graveyard. Omar, he said, Ma'asa, what should I do? The tame is atzmi, says the crane. Should I make myself tame? Efsha. I should make myself Tomei, or maybe I should just leave the Truma in the graveyard. Don't worry about it. He said, no. Better I become Tomei one time. And I'll go to the Mikvah and I'll become pure. And I will, that way I won't lose my Truma. I'll go in, save my Truma, right? Then I'm Tomei for a day. Go to the Mikvah. And then I'm tar, so I save my truma, and I'm tar again. I'm not staying in a state of of, of tuma. Kachamai We were considered his truma, and we were in the Beitzak Varaz. There wasn't a house in the Egyptian land that didn't have a dead person. Hashem said, Hey, how, do, how am I going to save them? To leave them in Mitzrayim, I can't do. What the Better I go into Mitzrayim and become Tomei. Hashem is also considered a kind Gadol. I'm going to go down, down, and a level down to become Tomei, to save Christ from Mitzrayim. I don't know what this means, but when Hashem left, it took Christ all out. Karl Aaron, he called Aaron Akayim, Vitir Oisai, and Aaron be Men Hashem Tahar. I don't know what that means, whatever that means, because it says in the positive, Vichipes Migdash Akaydash, Vichipa Al Akaydash. So Kaj Baruchu, because he loved us so much, was willing to become the Tamer, to go in this terrible Mitzrayim, to take us out, and then ask Aaron Akayim to be Metarahim. It just, it just, it just, um, so many riots on this night, the night of the Seder. I'm not giving you back, you know, you've heard my share a hundred times. But this was the night that Akash Baruch fell in love with us. And, and that doesn't have to make any sense. And that's why it's a night of Leil Shimurim and it's such a holy night. For whatever reason, we don't understand the Rosh Hashim Pinkus. But Akash Baruch on the night of Pesach realized that, that he was going to lose us because we were on the 49th level of Tumah. And had we been on the 50th level of Tumor, we never would have been out. We would never been able to go out of Mitzrayim. Now, it says in the Gullah of Mashiach, we're in the 50th level of Tumor. So Chazal asks, so in Mitzrayim, if we hit the 50th, we wouldn't be able to get out. So how can we can get out of this? It says because Mitzrayim was before the Torah. Before the Torah, if you hit the 50th level, you can never be saved. Once you have the Torah, that gives you the ability to be saved even on the 50th level. So in Mitzrayim, Akash Baruch Hu realized zone in a moment of panic, of whatever you want to call it, that if I leave the Jewish people in um, in Mitzrayim for another moment, I will lose them. So that's it. He said, "Let's go. We got we got to get out." 
So that was a, again, I can't explain this, it's all very deep. It was a moment where, where sort of, I don't want to make it, you know, so, uh, par, but it was sort of a moment where, let's say a chassan sees a, ka, a, a chassan sees a kala, and he likes her, and, 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 and then once he likes her, and he chose her, then they have to do the work to make the marriage work, right? But the infatuation, I won't call it infatuation, whatever that means, you know, looking across the room like, that's the one, right? <laughs> we think that only happens in stories, but it happens here, because Bokhu said, that's the one. But now, that's nice, and that's how you know to get each other, you fall in love with someone, but whatever that means. But now you gotta do the work, you, you, marriage can't, a marriage can't be based on, you know, I fell in love with you, because there's a lot of work in a marriage, you're putting a man and a woman together, and they have very different things, so it's very nice that you fell in love with me, but now we gotta make this work. So it says that the night of Pesach, so in Eretz Yisrael, it's one night, the first night of Pesach, was, is Leo Shimurim, it's a night where, where we don't have to worry about, we're protected, it's the night that Hashem fell in love with Kla Yisrael. But, after that, we start Sphira. And Sphira is 49 days of work. Machus, Chesed, Tiferes, Yusoid, Choyd, all these different, these are all different Midos. So, what leads up to the wedding, it's very nice that you met each other, right? Um, I remember when I met my wife, so we were both very young, so, so I decided, it's the one I want, I want to marry to. It didn't make any sense. We were both kids. And my father started asking questions. What are you going to do for a living? Where are you going to live? How are you going to support her? Right? You know, what, are you, what is she going to do? How do you guys know that this is going to work? We had all these... So it's very nice to really like each other, but there's... Tachlis! How are you going to support this girl? Right? Where are you going to get a job? You're very young. You didn't go to college. You don't have a degree. Well, ah, all these questions, right? So you got to work. you got to have a plan. you got to have a work. Then you can get married. You can't just, just be irresponsible. So, Pesach night, boom. But after that, hey, you can't show up 49 days later under the chuppah, shvuis, with empty hands. you got to show up, machus Because the one we're marrying on shvuis, under the chuppah, under the harsinai, is God. What is God? God is malchus shibamalchus. The queen has to marry a king. The king has to marry a queen. Right now, the king, which is Hashem, is marrying a peasant who's going to eat with her hands and not pass the food and not take a shower before she comes to the meal. Because she's a peasant. Christ rolls on the 49th level of Tumah. Well, look, I'm like, God, how are you going to marry him? So, so we had 49 days to get to the point where we were a princess and that's the 49th day. In Spiro, we say, how do you become a princess? How does Israel become royalty? We have to work on seven midos. We have to work on Yusayid, Choyid, Teferes, Chesed, Malchus. What else do we got? Gevura. One more. I said Yusayid. Yusayid, Choyid, Teferes, Malchus, Gevura, Chesed. There's one more. What? And that's that. So, you gotta work on all these different, right? You have to have your soy, you have to have the foundation, you have to have chesed, you have to have the first, you have to have beauty, and you have to have netzach, netzchias. And then, so, 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 what we got for free, Pesach night, we lose. What's a Pesach? Because that was the infatuation, so to say. That's what the, that was the engagement. Now, how are you getting married? How are you getting married, guys? How are you getting married to the king? What? The second day. The second day. After the Seder. The first day, the first day is the freebie. The second day, no, the second day, and it's sure. The second day is when, you know, when you gotta go, when you gotta go to work. So it's this, it's this, it's much say the first day in Eretz Yisrael. That's when they start saying Sphira. So that's, that's, that, you know, that's the work. So even a person on Pesach has to understand that. Tonight, Hashem fell in love with me, with me. I'm one, I'm part of Yisrael. Hashem picked me. But now I gotta work to get married. I gotta, I have to, I have to have you saved. And you, Mr. Shem, we're gonna learn about this. What is you saved? What does that mean, foundation? What is Hoyd? What, what's the difference between Hoyd and Teferis, right? When we showed up, Shuas night, we were Malchus. We were 
the right princess to marry the king. That's what Shavuos is all about. That's a celebration of Shavuos. But Pesach night is like the night where like, wow, I can't believe he chose us. He chose me. So you're supposed to be excited Pesach night, speaking about to you, to the family, to everything. Because Boko chose us. I don't think people understand. I don't, I don't think, I really don't think the Jewish nation understands what that means. I don't think, we don't appreciate that God chose us. Do you appreciate that? God chose us. He's God. He's, he's, he's on a totally different level. And he chose a nation of human beings that were, we were in the mud, in the murk, in the lowest, in the 49th level of Tumah. And it's an interesting thing. Because, really, so you have 49 days, right? So really, if, you, if you're in the 49th level of Tumah, and I take you out every day of a level of Tumah, on the 49th day, where are you? You're at zero. You're not on the 49th level of Kedusha. Your 49th level steps down, right? Here's the main floor. Your 49th steps down. You do 49 steps. You're now on the main floor. You're not 49 steps up. So when we get to Shavuos, really, we're nowhere. We're not in the low-life Tumah, but we're not in the 49th level of Malchus. We just got out of the basement and got to the main floor. And the answer is, which is beautiful, is that when it comes to spirituality, every time you take a step out of the Tumah, you get a step of Kedusha. So, but when we got to the 49, when we got, when we got rid of 49, we got rid of the 49 bad steps, you end up on the 49th step. And that's what a person has to know that. In other words, okay, so I got rid of this, I got rid of this, but I'm still a nobody. No. The way it works with Kedusha is Sumera Vasetov. Sumera Vasetov. Sumera Vasetov. So when we got, we got rid of the 49th level of Tuma, we ended up on the 40, on the 49th level of Kedusha. And, and that's, and that's work, and that's, and that's Svira. And that's a lot of work. And, but, but Pesach, we don't have to do no work. Because when you get engaged, you do any work? The guy got down on one knee, see, will, will you marry me? Right? And, and did, did the girl do any work? Did the boy do any work? They, don't even, they know each other. They talk, they went out to eat a few times. They really like each other. Nobody worked. They didn't work on a marriage and a panasa and where to build a house and where to live and, and, and where to learn and, 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 they didn't do any work. Engagement? There's no work to engagement. It's after the engagement. It's like, okay, did you set a date? Did you buy the flowers? Did you get the band? Did you get the da 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 da? Where are you going to buy the gown? Da, 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 right? There's a lot of work to do. But the the engagement, there's no work to do. So Pesach's a freebie. It's just a Kishbochu throwing down Kedusha. I love you, I love you, I love you. That's what Pesach is all about. Now that I love you, if you want to marry me, we got to do some work. You can't, you can't be a peasant and sit in the, and sit in the royal, in the real court. So I love you and I want you to sit with me in the royal court. You have to know how to act, how to pass the food, how to use a fork, how to say please, how to say thank you. You have to know how to do that. Those are the midos that a person has to have in the Kedusha of growing. And that's that's after Pesach. But Pesach's a freebie. Pesach says we sit with crowns on our head. How'd you get the crown on your head, right? How, how does it, how does it, uh, the way, the, 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 there's two ways to be, a, to be a queen. To either be born a queen or to marry the king. Right? It's two ways. You can be born, you can be born, your father was a king. You can be born, right? You can marry. There's two different ways of becoming. Kleistral has both. Because we're considered, in Shir Hashir, and we're considered Hashem's children, right? So we are the daughter, so to say, of the king, which makes us a queen. At the same time, we are the kala of the king, which makes us a queen. So we're a queen from both ways of becoming a queen. One marriage, one being the child of the king. Stay, you're wearing two crowns. It says that we're wearing two crowns at the Seder. We are the princess and we're the queen. We're the daughter of the king and we're married to the king. You gotta be dancing at the Seder. Hashem, why? We deserve it. 49 level of Toma, we're showing up by Zara. What saved us? And we'll finish with this. What saved us? We served up by Zara. What saved us? The bottom line, what saved us is the three things we didn't change. We didn't change our names, right? We didn't change our language. What else didn't we change? What? Clothing. We didn't change our clothing. At the end of the day, even though 
we served the Zara, we held on to who we were. What defines who you are, the way you speak, your names, and how you get dressed. So we were on the 49th level of Tumor, we served the Zara, but at the same time, when God came down to Mitzrayim, and even though, and I have a whole different story, maybe we'll talk about it next week, even though we were full of mud and we were full of filth, the princess that was laying in the mud, he, you could recognize because there were three things about her that even though she was full of dirt and full of filth, that was from royalty, from Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. And that was that her name was Hebrew. His name, our names were Hebrew. That we spoke the, the sacred Hebrew language and that we dressed like Jews. And therefore Hashem recognized that even in the deepest mud, we were still the children of Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. And the question today is, the three things that saved us in Mitzrayim, not dressing like the Goyim, I don't have, I don't have to tell you what's going on out there. Not talking like them, with cursing and foul language, and what's up, what's happening, and listening to their rap music, and to their, and to the, the whole culture, right? The Jewish culture doesn't talk. We, we're not. It's not. It's not. That's that's. We weren't like the Mitzrayim. We didn't dance like an Egyptian. Is a famous song, right? Dance like an Egyptian. We didn't dance like an Egyptian. We didn't talk like an Egyptian. And our names were not Egyptian names. And and that's what saved us in Mitzrayim. Even though we we're on the on the lowest part, lowest lowest place of Tumah. So in our generation, Mitzrayim, if you give your children names, you have to give them a Jewish name. It's very important that they have a Jewish name. At the same time, our dress has to be differently. That when people see us, they're like, that's a Jewish girl. That's a Jewish boy. I know that just by looking at them. Just the way they dress. They just, they dress differently. And Lashaynam doesn't mean, I was kidding about the slang. It doesn't mean the slang. It means how you talk. Please, thank you, excuse me. The way a person talks. There is a certain way that the, 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 the children of royalty speak. Manners, niceness, the way we act. That makes us who we are. And if you lose that, then the girl in the, in the mud, in the 49th level of Tumah, is not, is not, you can't recognize who she is. You don't know where she comes from. You know, um, when Yosef was being paraded in Mitzrayim, so she was wearing an amulet, Asnas, Basbaitifera. She was wearing an amulet. She, he saw Hebrew words when she threw it at him, because everybody used to throw the jewelry into the, into, so when she threw at him, she saw that there were Hebrew words. When he saw Hebrew words, Yeshivat Sadik knew that this was coming from, from Kedusha. This was coming from Yaakov Avino. That's why he married her. Had she not had that amulet, and she didn't even know what it was, she was wearing it her whole life. So our identification of who we are is, the way we speak and the way we and and the way we act, the way we dress in a modest, holy way, and the way we talk and how we're named. You know that our names are different. And Mitzrayim, with all that, they're on the forty ninth level of But that they did not assimilate. Those three things they did not assimilate. That's what saved them. They didn't change those three things. Had they had they had they assimilated in those three factors that they would dress like the Mitzrim, talk like the Mitzrim, have names like the Mitzrim, never gotten out of Mitzrayim. So that's something that each one of us has to think about and, and work on. But the most important thing we need to work on is that this year we should break out of our own Mitzrayim, our own slavery, and try to figure out how come I can't say no. A free man says no. And I keep saying yes. How come when it comes to doing the wrong thing, I keep saying yes? And we have to go inside and try to figure that. And if we figure that out, we'll all come out of our Mitzrayim this Pesach. And Bezrat Hashem, we'll see, uh, we'll see the ghoul. It's just very cute. So I was talking about, and I'll, I'll end with this in Queens. So it's also, I find that we, we, we've lost in, in the Seder what it's all about. You know, I was in a wine store. This guy was buying for the Seder, which is very nice, don't get me wrong, a $135 bottle of wine. 
for the for the Arakaisas. And we talk with their friends and they're hawking. Wine's a big thing today. Everyone's hawking this, the cave, the other cave, the special cave, this cave, that cave. I was like, the cave, the cave is, is not for Pesach. The cave is for Lagba Omer. Right? Rashim Bayechai came out of the cave, right? So made that, you know, okay. But, but anyway, so they're talking, so I walked over to one of these kids that were talking, young guys, and I had a $35 or $50. Oh, that bottle, that. I'm like, can I ask you guys, what are you, what are you buying this wine for? I said, like, for the Seder? I don't care how much it costs. I'm like, so it's for the four crisis? He goes, yes. I said, by any chance, do you know the, why we have four cups? Like, what are the, what are the words that the four cups represent? No. I'm like, you're buying a $150 bottle of wine for the four cups? You don't even know what the four cups represent? He's like, why? There's something wrong with that? I'm like, yeah. There's something wrong with that. It's for Lakakti and Lakakti and Lakakti right? I said, I said, it represents something. If, you, if you're drinking the wine, you have to know what it stands for. To sit there and say, oh, these matzahs last year they were thinner and better. And you missed the whole picture. I have a guy that sits by my, 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 my Seder, right? One of the Anim, the poor people who sits by my Seder. He loves Mara. So, you know, I give all to my son-in-law, especially the ones I love very much. The really white ground stuff that makes you burn your, that they start dancing around the table. So this guy, I, I, he's a guest. I don't give him that much. So when we finish, right? He says to me, give me the whole bowl. And he starts eating the Mara straight up. Straight up. He's a Russian guy. Straight up. Right? And he goes, I love it. If you have more, I'll take more. I'm like, you, you missed the whole boat here. Mara is a representation of bitterness. It's not something to eat. It's not what this is about. The matzah is a representation. The wine is a representation. The salt water is for tears. The, the, the bone is for the carbon Pesach. The egg is for the carbon Chagiga. The whole Seder, when you lean, you're representing that because you like to lean. Because that's how kings used to lean. When you dip, it's because that's how kings used to dip. The charoses is bricks. Not, oh, can we have charoses for dessert? Because it tastes great. You missed the whole thing. You ate the bird. You know my story with the minor bird, right? You ate the bird. You're supposed to let the bird sing. You ate the bird, right? So it's important that when you sit by the Seder that you think about when you're drinking the wine, the first, whatever, whatever the order is, you took me out of its rhyme. But you didn't just take me out. It's salty. You saved me, you know, at the same time. The Ga'alti was a Ga'ula. I'm not, a, I'm not a free slave. I'm not a slave anymore. That's a redemption. It's a different word than just, you can take a slave out of slavery, but he's still a slave in the free world. He still acts like a slave. Go'alti is, is a redemption, right? I'm not a slave anymore. I am free from my slavery, from my inner slavery. So everything has, re- if, if you buy a $150 bottle of wine, you don't even know the words that it stands for. Hello? Right? How many people know what the Kaitchel Eliyahu stands for? It's like a big cop. And you open the door, and all the kids look at it, and the father shakes it, and like, ooh, Eliyahu Nabi drank it. That's very nice, just to keep the kids up. Eliyahu Nabi's cup is in the middle of the table. It's the biggest one, because it's Vehevesi. It's the cup of Geula. It's the cup of Vehevesi, and I will bring you into Eretz Yisrael. How many people look at the Kresh Eliyahu and thinking, that's the cup of redemption, of finally going to Eretz Yisrael, Habnuya. So, so... You missed the whole, you missed the whole Seder. You sat by the Seder and you missed it. The matzah was good. Ma, the matzah bowls were amazing. The soup was fantastic. You know, this guy likes my moral. This one likes the haroses. Ma, can we eat the egg tomorrow with lunch? Is that okay? Can we put the bone in the soup? Hello? That's not what this is about. So th- these are all, and I think that's a lot of, a lot lost. And I think that's why everyone's got to get finished by 10, 30, 11. Because they're just going through, they're just going through the, going through the motions. They don't understand. Tonight Hashem fell in love with us. Oh my God, I want to sit here and talk about this all night tonight. Why did he fall in love with us? What's special about the Jewish people? Let's talk about what's special about Jews. Let's talk about Jews that we know that did something special. Let's take out a book of heroes of the Holocaust. Let's read about heroes of the Holocaust. So we can understand what did God see in this nation on the 49th level that he fell in love with us. He saw the heroes of the Holocaust. He saw the, the, all these different books uh, that, that are written. I don't want to start advertising books. But all these different stories and all these different books. Because Baruch said, wow, that's what he saw. He saw a princess in, in rags. He saw a princess in the dirt. But this is what's special about us. Hey, Kindleach, 
Do you have a story about a boy in your class that you helped or helped somebody? Do you have a story about a Jew that helped another Jew? Did you hear about the Chafetz Chaim that just found this picture? Do you know anything that he spoke about? It's a Seder. It's, it's a time to be Mesopher. And you, not just about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, because you weren't by Mitzrayim. And you don't really know, you know, about the sand and all that stuff. It's about your, it's about your Yitzhak Mitzrayim. My grandmother used to talk about her Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And my, my father-in-law very often used to speak about his Yitzhak Mitzrayim when he came out of the Holocaust. That was his Mitzrayim. And they were actually redeemed. Most of the people in Czechoslovakia were redeemed on Shri Yishol Pesach. So he talked about always on Shri Yishol Pesach. Every person has their redemption, whether it was from a, from an addiction or some situation that you were in that you actually got out of. It's a time you can go to four, five o'clock in the morning, no problem. It's a big night, Pesach. Don't, 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 don't let it let, don't let it go. Chasal Seder Pesach, L'shana Ba Yerushalayim. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.